exciting news for you. I'm leaving you in my will. I'm tweaking it, and you're in it. No, 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 don't, don't do that. It's done. You're in. I don't want to be in. I got. I have money. I don't need it. Give it to someone who needs it. When I die, I want you to know how much I care about you. No, I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to give it to charity. You're my best friend. You're getting it. No, I'm making a Shermanist statement about the will right now. I'm sick of your historical references. If nominated, I will not run. If bequeathed, I will not accept. Well, I'm bequeathing. Well, I'm not accepting. Well, you'll have to accept. Don't give it to me. Don't hurt my feelings. I'm not going to keep a penny of it. You're hurting me. Thank you, but I don't want it. I'm giving it to you anyway, pal. Oh, my God. Fuck you. Welcome, everyone, to the new episode of the Truth and Rally podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Roman, reporting middle of nowhere. Rest in peace, Mr. Richard Lewis. That was Richard Lewis in Corbin Enthusiasm with Larry David, who's in, uh, having its last season right now on HBO Max. Thought that was a little a good little tribute to uh, Mr. Richard Lewis. But I am your host again. Yes, this, this is the Truth and Rally podcast. I'm reporting in the middle of nowhere, and I am your host, Anthony Roman. So let's talk about something. I don't talk about baseball that much recently, and I haven't talked baseball like I talk about other things, but I am a little upset. Pitchers and catchers recently reported about two or three weeks ago. Players were even reporting prior to that, probably mid-January uh, mid to late January. Some players were already reporting to the spring training uh, sites, either in Arizona or in Florida. But I'm upset. Why? Because there's still play impactful players available as free agents. Now... I, I'm upset because the, the the owners don't have a salary cap. They don't have a, a, a an agreement with the union where certain players who put certain times in, in into the league have to get paid a certain amount, et cetera, and so forth. They can do contracts in any fashion way they want. They can sign a contract, ladies and gentlemen, where you don't have to give the individual $35 million per year, and that's it. You can use it in multiple different ways in where the guy gets the $35 million, but not fully guaranteed. And what I mean by that is there have been contracts in the past where if you make the all-star team, you get, you get a bonus. If you get an MVP vote or win it, you get a bonus. If you win the Silver Slugger Award, you get a bonus. If you win the batting title, the batting title, a bonus. If you reach or play a certain amount of games in the season, a bonus. If you win the, you know, et cetera and so forth. So you can make a contract where the guy can get it, but he has to do other things. And that's what I love about baseball. Because you don't have to give the guy a 10-year contract or et cetera, and so forth, completely guaranteed. You can always set parameters saying, well, okay, you can get 10 years, but before we get to certain years, you have to reach a certain amount of innings pitched, a certain amount of games played, et cetera, and so forth. And if you do this, the contract gets guaranteed. The contract gets to um, get, get put into place into your liking, but you have to do these things first. I mean, even this year, we saw guys going to the Dodgers, not getting their money fully guaranteed and having money deferred. And no no other owner is, is taking advantage of this, which is kind of like a, a crazier thing also, that no other team is making efforts to do this. 
I mean, if you take a step back, you know, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, there was still 110 free agents still available. 110. Now, if you're a person who's, who pays attention to the offseason heavily, you would know that the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL, majority of its free agents signed within the first month. Majority. It's very rare, very small percentage of free agents are still available prior after the first month. But in baseball, it took over nine over 90 days had passed and there were still over 110 free agents still available. Now I'm a part of this thing on Facebook where I talk to other Met fans. Because I'm a Met fan and I ha- and I, I air out my my laundry to them sometimes and what displeases me about baseball and what it's going through at this point. And they blame Scott Boris. They blame Scott Boris because in the past, in, in seasons past, Scott Boris somehow gets one of his free agents signed prior to catchers and, and pitchers reporting or prior to spring training or maybe in the first week of spring training where they end up with the years they want and they end up with the millions that they want. And some fans are blaming him. No, don't blame the, the don't blame Scott Boris. Blame the owners. The owners gave in to the years the free agent wanted. The owners gave in into giving the money the free agent wanted. But blame the owners. Blame the owners because for me, you got to take a step back. How how in the world, Blake Snell, a two-time Cy Young winner which means the years that he won it, he was considered and voted by the writers, uh, voted as the best pitcher in the National League. The best pitcher. And he's still a free agent. Yes, he was offered money from the Yankees. But the idea, the idea that he's still available was crazy. When did an award-winning player who had a good year, either in NHL, NBA or NFL not be signed when spring training preseason has has already started. When has that ever happened? And how often does that happen? Not like baseball. Not even close to baseball. It may have happened in the past, but not like baseball. The idea that teams are so, are using they using this is the, the the team the MLB owners negotiation process. Well, I'm not going to give you the money you want. And on top of not giving you the money you want, I'm going to drag on this offseason so much that by the time I do give you the money, you will not be making anywhere close to what you, you demanded. If you look at what Scott Boris' uh, agent, uh, free agents who just signed a contract this week, like Matt, Champ- Champion who, Matt Chapman, who just signed a contract with the San Francisco Giants, he signed for three years, opt-out years after every season, and less than $60 million, uh, total contract. A guy who was looking for more than five years, more than $200 million. I mean, this, this is crazy. And the idea that they waited until now, he just, took the con- he just took the contract that was offered to him by the Giants because he loves baseball so much. But it's, it's kind of crazy that baseball that has over 40,000 fans in most stadiums seems to lowball 
they're free agents. I mean, it's just, it's idiotic and crazy to think about how there's so many different guys who are right now at this moment can sign with a team and help it improve. Right now, if you take a step back, J.D. Martinez hit 30 home runs and over 100 RBIs, and he's not signed at all. Some Can someone explain that to me? Jordan Montgomery had a career year. He's not signed. There are numerous teams that could use a Jordan Montgomery at this moment. It just doesn't make sense how the owners don't spend any money. They're billionaires with no salary cap. And yet, they, not, they don't make an effort. And, and, and here's the thing that I'm going to take it to a step further. Let's take it a step further. So last year, the Tampa Bay Rays won 99 games. 99 games. They were the second best team in the American League. Do you know how many fans it averaged per game for 81 games? Less than 18,000 a game. What? Can you imagine that one of the best basketball baseball or NHL teams win one of the most games in its conference and yet wasn't at 90% capacity percent capacity in terms of fans attending or at least 100 can someone explain to me how that's okay how a team won 99 games and was one of the worst attended teams in baseball last year can someone can someone help me with that can someone tell me why MLB owners don't spend money why they don't make effort to improve they don't have to go crazy like the Yankees and the Dodgers but little moves here and there do help showing the fans that you care that you want to see whatever you had last year or whatever you did not have last year well, you know what? We're going to go in this offseason and we're going to make effort to get those pieces that we didn't have last year if we can through negotiation because there's no guarantee certain players will go to certain teams, but at least an effort. I mean, it, it's it's embarrassing. This past offseason, the, the Rays traded away one of the, its best pitchers in Tyler, and say his last name, Glasnow. Probably said his name wrong. Sorry about that. But he got traded to the Dodgers. Now, his ERA has been amazing his whole career. But his key problem is he's never been consistently healthy. But you traded one of your pitchers away. And did you replace him? Did you get a guy who, man, he, he pitches kind of like him. Not completely. But we favor his durability more than Tyler's. Because... Durability will help us win. Durability puts less pressure on the team and the manager. No, they didn't make that move. They allowed him to get traded to LA. No replacement, no invested money in replacing him. There's other places, other players that they lost in their, their bullpen that they didn't really upgrade at all. They just give them away. I know some people will say, well, you know, look what they've been doing the last couple seasons. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. When you make lose talent and you don't replace talent, you show your fans you don't care. You show that you're willing to possibly have a, a, a season where maybe you perform less, worse than the previous season because you lost a particular uh, 
a particular player either through free agency or trading him away. They made no effort. They didn't spend any money. They didn't say, you know what, we're going to go out there. We're going to replace this guy. We're going to make our bullpen stronger, et cetera, and so forth. Hey, that, that, that position that we had that was one of the worst defensive uh, positions that we had all year, that the guy who played that shortstop or first base or outfield or catcher, oh, my God, the catcher has so many pass balls. Oh, the catcher couldn't hold the runners. The guys were running free, stealing bases every time, at least two per game or more. Let's replace him. Let's get a better defensive guy. Let's get a guy who works better with the pitchers and make them calm and make them relax and that makes the pitchers feel like they're pitching to their best friend versus just any other catcher out there. But they didn't make any moves. Why? Why is that okay? The Oakland A's, ladies and gentlemen, the Oakland A's won less than 60 games last year. Do you know how many fans they averaged in a 63,000 capacity stadium? Less than 6,000. Someone explain that to me. In football, this past season, the Carolina Panthers won how many games? Two games. Do you know how many fan, how much capacity it was? How full the stadium was for eight to nine games? 91%. 91% of the stadium was filled to one of the worst teams in the NFL. But the fans still showed up. And you know how many fans showed up, to be exact? Over 67,000 fans saw their team that they root for only win two games. And you know what Carolina did? Carolina didn't like it. They fired their coach. They restarted. And they're, make, and they're trying their best to not be that team next year. What did the Oakland A's do this offseason? They made no upgrades. Actually, they signed guys who were hurt previous seasons and probably either got demoted from a starter to a bullpen guy or got released or uh, or got sent to the minors. Yeah, and they're hoping that they can potentially help them win more than 60 games this season. How is that okay? How is it okay that they're gonna, they have a payroll that's less than $60 million? One of the lowest in... in, in uh, in, in baseball, or the lowest in baseball. Now, two weeks ago, about two weeks ago, the NFL kind of gifted the fans and gifted NFL teams with a higher salary cap. They went from about 242, 244 salary cap and what football teams can spend on their 53-man roster. They gave them about, 11, about, 11, about 10 to $11 million more I mean, 10 to 13 million more to, to, to use. Isn't that crazy? They gave them more money to spend because they want to see teams not get worse. Because in football, because of the salary cap, sometimes the wiggle room to spend is not great. Why? Because of salary cap. And the upgrades you could probably make are not great. Why? Because there's dead cap, there's cap savings, there's this, there's that. So doing the 11, giving them the extra money is going to help some teams. And we'll talk more about that later. So now let's talk about baseball. 
baseball has a 40-man roster. 26 of those players is activated per game. Okay? Do you know how much our baseball roster would be if every team spent the same amount as an NFL roster? Do you know? Over a hundred and ninety, about a hundred and ninety-two point four million dollars, our payroll would be in the Major League Baseball at this moment if every team spent money and did the same thing and used the same amount of money as an NFL roster. A hundred and ninety-two point four million dollars. Now every team does not spend all the money. Some teams may leave a certain amount. Okay, that's all right. If you can make the roster you want and not spend all your salary cap, actually kudos to you because you give yourself wiggle room for a potential trade and more room to spend the next upcoming season, especially if the next upcoming season you have to do a contract extension with a player you like or a guy becomes available and now you have the money to spend for him. But let's say the only... Sp- they left $30 million. They didn't spend all of it. That's still $162.4 million. That's crazy. That's still a lot of money. So when you look at this, and you take a step back, and what I just said about the NFL and the equivalent and what it would do do for an MLB payroll and all that, that and self, et cetera, and so forth, that would mean out of 30 teams, 21 teams are not even close to that. Isn't that crazy? That's the majority of the league. Majority of the league did not spend the money it it did to, in terms of trying to invest in a team and make it better. The Oakland A's, like I mentioned before, would have to spend at least $122 million or more in order to, to even reach $162.4 million. And I say all these things because I say all these things because you look at all these. If you look at all these sports, every sport is in full capacity when you watch it, even when they lose. At least seventy-five percent or more is always the range where majority of NHL, NBA, and NFL is at majority of the time. Okay. Baseball doesn't even have that. Baseball, the Oakland A's again are trying to be so bad. That they move from Oakland to Las Vegas to gain money, to uh, to invest in a new stadium, etc. and so forth. Why are they okay with this? Why are they okay with that? Right now, two weeks ago, I went to a hockey game. To give you an example. It was a great game. The New York Rangers won in Madison Square Garden. Me and my brother had... Upper deck seats. But great seats because in hockey, because they have to make the rink, it kind of sh- kind of makes things easier for fans versus a basketball game. Where it seems like it kind of shrinks a little bit more because the rink is much uh, bigger than a basketball court. And tickets in the upper deck section in Madison Square Garden are majority of the time over $100 per ticket. Do you know what an upper deck seat in baseball would be? Less than 70, less than 60 
depending on games. Some games, I will not lie to you, sometimes the, 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 uh, the tickets prices do go up. But if you're telling me right now, I could spend $50, sit closer than what I would sit on a hockey or basketball game, spending on four tickets would be 200 versus spend 400 or more for a hockey game, saving money. Then parking's closer because when you go to hockey or basketball, there is no um, big garage, big stadium parking like it is in City Field for Met fans that's right next to the stadium. Or like, uh, or like for the Giants or any football team where their parking lot is right next to the, the place. Where if you go to a game like a Knicks or Rangers, you have to find a garage. You have to go on public transportation, etc. and so forth. Whatever way you want to go. And MLB doesn't use that to their favor. MLB is such is so old school that they're not really making an effort. They're trying to use old ways that used thirty that that was used thirty years ago, and hoping that it could still attract fans. Recently, the New York Mets added something. What did they add? They added dancers to a baseball game, basically like cheerleaders, and. I don't know how to look at it, how to accept it. I really don't care. But they're making an effort to do something that, hey, if this can attract a certain amount of fans, why not make an effort to do that? They're making effort. There are teams who are making no effort. And the idea that they're making no effort is a crime, ladies and gentlemen. It is a crime and a shame. That the Oakland A's are not making effort to improve. The idea that the the the, the um okay was doing what they're doing. And it's like, wait a minute, don't you make more money if you are at a hundred percent capacity? Because first, more people are gonna uh, are gonna pay for parking, more money in your pocket for that alone. You tickets, oh, that's more on us. Food, merchandise, etc. and so forth. I mean, it, majority of MLB teams have their own networks or the, not even their own, their own networks. But let's look at it like this. NFL. NFL, you have to watch it on certain channels. There is no Raiders channel. There is no Dallas channel that if you miss the game at one o'clock, most likely the Dallas Cowboy channel will show you at night so that you can rewatch it. Even though you know your team will win or loss, they give you that chance. They give you that effort to do that. In the NFL, you got to do multiple things to spend money in order to see the team that you like. You have to spend tons of money on YouTube just to see multiple games in, 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 in the NFL. If you get a chance, and I don't know, I've never tried this. There probably is an effort to do this, to watch a replay of your team late in the week, you have to spend money. Where, if I miss my New York Mets game that was at one ten today, at seven o'clock I could rewatch it, and it's a part of my Verizon subscription where I don't spend tons of money. But if you miss a football game, you miss a football game. Amazon is not going to re-show you the game multiple times. Once you miss the Thursday night game, ESPN is not going to show you 
the Monday night football game that you missed maybe one more time or two more times later in the day or in the wee hours or late in the week. Peacock and NBC is not going to show you the game you missed. CBS is not going to show you the game you missed and et cetera and so forth. And, and I, I understand. I mean, maybe this is just my love for baseball and how I feel like it gives the fans so much but also takes so much away. An effort has to happen. It's embarrassing that we're going into the season and the guy who was considered the best pitcher in baseball is still a free agent. Maybe it's just me. Off to the NFL. Well, I just mentioned that the NFL just increased its salary cap about two weeks ago, adding about 10 to $12 million per salary um, extra. Now, this is great because every year we have a team that has to release a certain amount of players who has to go to certain t- t- uh, a certain amount of players in effort to restructure their contract so that it lowers the salary cap. And then some guys get either trade or release, et cetera, and so forth. Now, it's not going to impact every team, but every team may be able to add at least one more player, maybe two, depending on how they structure the contract. Well, that makes things interesting because now it puts it on the shoulders of the owners to spend the money. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? NFL owners do make an effort. Sometimes teams, players don't want to go to a certain team because they don't look like playoff contenders. And that's why they don't go to certain teams. And that's why some players do go to those teams. Do Sometimes they do go to those teams for one reason only, the money. But I like that the NFL did this. It makes this offseason interesting. And we'll see what teams take advantage of this. Uh, of this. So now, who is one of the most interesting teams in football right now? I think it's the Chicago Cubs. I'm Chicago Cubs. Chicago Bears. Uh, Cubs are the same thing as Bears, the same family. But lo and behold, let's just talk about the Bears. So the Chicago Bears made a trade last year where they made it with the Carolina Panthers. And now the Carolina Panthers do not have a first-round draft pick. The Bears do. And because the Carolina Panthers were so bad, ladies and gentlemen, the Chicago Bears have the first pick of the NFL uh, draft this upcoming season. And to make things even sweeter, they have a second pick in the top 10 um, in the NFL or uh, in the upcoming NFL draft. And then on the last thing I'm going to say is that they have a chance to even add players. Why? Because they have the third most uh, amount of money on in the salary cap out of any team in the NFL. And what makes them even better than the other teams like the, the Washington Commanders and the Patriots was that they finished the season seven and six. They finished the season three wins better than the Patriots or the Commanders. So it gives them the chance and it gives them the opportunity to be a 500 even be- uh, even more depending on how they spend their money. Now, a lot of a lot of owners, not a lot of owners, a lot of so-called NFL experts are saying first round draft pick, I mean first pick, go all in, get Caleb Williams. 
trade Justin Fields to another team. Other people are already saying that it most likely will be the Atlanta Falcons, even though there's been rumors that they were going to pursue Kirk Cousins. Why would you get Kirk Cousins and Justin Fields? Makes no sense to me. But I feel like they shouldn't do that. I feel like they should keep Justin Fields and not draft Caleb Williams. Last season, DJ Moore came in and they had Cole Kemet and they finished the season as one of the best wide receiver tight end duels in the in the league. Both averaged over combined. DJ Moore and Cole Kemet, hopefully I'm saying his last name right, had over 2,000 yards combined. Over 14 touchdowns combined. They represented 67% of the passing yards per game. And they represented 74% of the passing touchdowns in 2023 for the Bears. Now, I would trade down. I know some people are scratching their head. Why would they trade down? Well, here's why. This draft has a lot of amazing, uh, a lot of amazing receivers, right? The receiving game was horrible. Even though they had that, a, a great wide receiver and tight end combo, they still averaged less than 200 yards passing game, uh, passing yards per game. But they have an opportunity to do something that that other two other teams have been able to do. But in the opposite order, but it's the kind of the same format. And what I'm the two teams I'm talking about is Miami and Philly. Miami and Philly added uh, added uh, added outstanding free agents, not free agents, wide receivers. They drafted amazing wide receivers in Jay's and Jalen Riddle and Devontae Smith. Then a season later on the second season, the sophomore season for both players, Miami got Tyreek Hill, tremendous upgrade, and Philly got Brown, uh, A.J. Brown from Tennessee, amazing um, pickup. And by adding these two players th- through the trade, they completely made their, their receiving core even more scarier. Now, between the two teams, Philly was even is in an even better position because the tight end, Dallas Goddard, probably said his name wrong again. That should be my name on the show. Say the name wrong. Anyway, he's an all-pro tight end. Devontae Smith is a, potent- is a pro bowl type. A.G. Brown's a pro- prototype. So three great got three great uh, players that are pro bowl or pro can be top of the league. So the Bears have a chance and opportunity to draft one of these wide receivers and completely change the receiving game. Can you imagine them getting Marvin Harrison Jr. or Malik Neighbors or whoever else and, and potentially have what Philly has right now with Brown Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. I mean, and have one of the best rushing teams in the league because that's what the Chicago Bears was last season. They have an opportunity to do that. There's no guarantees when you draft Caleb Williams that he will be great next season. There's no guarantee that the guy who you're going to start opposite of D.G. Moore is going to be great and upgrade this passing game, depending on what they do. But in my opinion, they trade down and... By trading down, you you can go into this draft in two ways. Like I said, get your Devontae Smith, get your Jalen Riddle to 
type player who could be impactful, who can come into a team next year, and he doesn't have to be the number one guy. He doesn't even have to be the number two guy because the wide receiver and tight end for the Bears are great. And he can go in there if the coach does everything the right way and say, hey, listen, we just want you to have fun. We want you to learn the plays. We want you to have fun. You don't have to be the guy. Just go out there and have fun. And the idea if he can come in and get 800 yards because DJ Moore and Cole Kammerer are attracting so much attention by the defenders that it leaves him open. And people are going to probably not defend you as in the same level, which makes you open at different times in the game. And then you take opportunity to gain the yards for that. Just saying, that kind of looks like a good idea. Maybe it's just me, but I, I like it. And then with the last pick in the first round draft pick, in the first round, they can get a pass rusher. Montez Sweat was added uh, last season during the trade deadline from the Washington Commanders and was a difference maker for the Chicago Bears. Now, why don't they add, add another top pass rusher? And make the, the pass rushing even better on the opposite of Montez Sweat. And then they have their two um, linebackers that they signed last offseason, Edwards. And I think his other one is Edmonds, who's a great linebacker duo in the NFL. They can get Jalen Johnson back and, uh, and make the secondary stronger and do whatever they can to the O-line. And have a chance to be in competition with the Vikings, Detroit and Green Bay next season. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. The idea of, of saying, you know, let's take a step back, get Caleb Williams. What happens if Caleb Williams doesn't perform well? What happens if all that happens? I, I'd rather go with the guarantee and, and, and go like that. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But let's also be realistic about one other thing. If Caleb Williams in the future does perform, uh, when he does get his contract extension, it's going to be a lot of money that he, he's going to want. To say, get something that's a little bit cheaper, get something that's going to make you more dominant right away. And here, here's the last thing. You just brought back the coach that hasn't had a winning season his whole career as the Chicago Bear co head coach. He can't go into next year and only win seven wins. He has to be a 500 team guy or better. Why bring this guy in to potentially go on rebuild mode? Because when you get a, a young quarterback, it's kind of like rebuild mode because there's no guarantees rookies will be great. But maybe that's just me. And maybe I'm just a little crazy. Let's talk about the NBA. So the NBA has about 22 to 24 games left in the season. Philly and New York have injuries that if fully healthy, it, it makes each team look different and it impacts their, their seating in the Eastern Conference even more. Philly doesn't have Joel Embiid, but with Joel Embiid, they look like a team that could be in the Eastern Conference Finals and make an NBA Final Championship against whomever. For New York, we're missing more pieces because we don't have Julius Randle, our all-star power forward. We don't have OG Anube. We don't have Mitchell Robinson, which is three, which is 60% of the starting lineup, ladies and gentlemen. But we'll see what happens with them. We'll see, we'll see if these guys get get healthy. Because man, they're gonna be those are the two teams if they get the, the, the players they need to come back. 
and the chemistry's there, and they come back, they're a very scary team. Because right now, people are going to go into the playoffs and say, and thinking, believing that this team is not that scary. But they're actually very scary because when the, these when the New York and Philly has their players back, they're a much different team and look like one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference versus what they look at look like right now. Let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. In the first 25 games, they won 16 games, right? They look like they want to have a breakout season and be amazing. And then after the, tw after the 25th game, in the next 33 games, they went 17-6 and six after going 16-9. Now, they're still 500, but the way the Lakers and the Warriors are playing at this moment, the Kings could end up being the 10th seed in the Western Conference and in the play-in. Versus being a team that has seeded one to six. And out of the Mavericks, Lakers, and Warriors, and the teams that are seeded between the seventh seed and the tenth seed, the Sacramento, Sacramento Kings are the worst at this moment. Because right now, the Mavericks, Lakers, and Warriors all look very good versus how the Kings look at this moment. So I'm just saying, what happens to them? Why aren't they performing great? Why did the momentum end? I mean, it seems like this has happened for a couple teams in the uh, NBA right now. You know, the Houston Rockets were at 500 at one point this season. And then now they're not. And they're not even in the playoffs. The Orlando, the Orlando Magic were performing great. And then they're not even, uh, they're going to be a playing team this upcoming season. It's a third team. I don't remember right now, but. Well, and, and there's the Kings, three teams. So we'll see what happens there. And let's give props to certain pl uh, uh, players right now. Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kevin Durant, and Paul George are finally going to play over 60 games in an NBA season for the first time in more than five seasons. Isn't that crazy? Is the biggest role, biggest difference maker in making them play these games the rule that was just added that says that you have to play a certain amount of games in the NBA this season in order to be, be considered for certain awards and certain things. Now, listen, it, it was, I, I'm talking about this because every season, a lot of players seem to be missing a lot of games. A lot of big names miss 20 games or more every season. They go in the street clothes. Like you don't understand why they're hurt or whatever it is. But the idea that since Paul George and, Ka and Kawhi Leonard joined the LA Clippers, they have played less than 60 games the whole time. And I felt that every time I looked at the season and looked at what the Clippers ha had and I saw, and I know who Kawhi Leonard is and I know who Paul George is, then I have enough enough um, respect for them that I feel that a healthy Kawhi Leonard and a healthy Paul George makes the Clippers, helps the Clippers win over 50 games and gives them a great opportunity to be a top four, four team in the Western Conference. But because every year they were missing 30 games and more, this was a, probably one of the most disappointing teams every season prior to this season, in my opinion. Because I felt that injuries played a part on, on terms of how many more games they could win, where they could be seated in the Western Conference, 
who they could potentially stop from making the Western Conference Championship or even the NBA Championship if they were fully healthy and playing at the level that we all expect them to play? Is it this new rule? Are they staying healthy and playing games because of this? It's just kind of awkward that now that there's a new rule being implemented, that players like them are finally playing a lot of games and are doing certain things that they haven't done in more than five seasons. Kind of awkward that, that, you know, the connection looks awkward, but I like the rule. If the new rule is making big names play more games, it's interesting. And think about this. If these guys weren't really hurt, or if these guys were just taking a day off for whatever reason, you cheated the fans. If you went into a game in L.A. and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two best players on that team, didn't play, you were disappointed. If those Clippers were going to face the Denver, Denver Nuggets or the Boston Celtics or whatever big team that's doing well at the moment, and those guys weren't playing, you cheated the fans, you cheated the experience, you cheated your team. And now they're playing, and look, the Clippers have a chance to be one of the best uh has a chance to be a number one seed. They have a chance to finish the season over well, with more than 50 wins. And they have a chance to to come to win an NBA championship. Now, if this was any other season, Kawhi Leonard probably would have missed at least 10 to 15 games already, which probably means that the Clippers probably lost five, five games or more than they have lost so far this season. And they could probably be a playing team versus a team that's guaranteed in the playoffs. Now, this is maybe just me, but I, uh, that's what I feel. I feel it's changed. I like it, what it's doing for the NBA. It's making the NBA season even more interesting. The idea that we're seeing more players play more games. But here's an example of this season. Kyrie Irving has only played 38 games, right? If healthy, if he played all the games this season with Dallas, Dallas would have the fifth best winning percentage in the Western Conference, right? But because he's missed about 20 games, maybe a little bit more, they're seventh seed. Which means when the season's over, any team between one and six in the Eastern and Western Conference gets to relax, gets to heal up a little bit with a little bit of time to get to uh, the not playing. If you're a team that is between three and six, you know who you're playing already. So you can go three or four days planning how to defend, how to play offense, hope certain players come back healthy, et cetera, and so forth. In where, if you're a team between seven and 10, there's no guaranteed spot. This is not five or 10 years ago when any team that was seventh and eighth seed automatically got the seventh and eighth seed. There was no playing team. When the season ended, you know who you were facing, you know who who to, who to practice for, et cetera, and so forth. But now with this new rules, staying healthy means so much more than it ever has. And what I'm trying to say with Kyrie Irving is that if Kyrie Irving, because Kyrie Irving missed the games that he missed, Dallas has a chance to be a seventh or eighth seed playing in the play-in no guarantee they're going to make the playoffs because you have to win a couple more games before you get an automatic lock spot in 
the wet in the playoffs in in the NBA. But that's an example of what what injuries could do. It stops teams from getting a seed that they could get if players are healthy, but instead have to sacrifice wins, have to sacrifice seedings, and have to probably even go into the playoffs more exhausted than some teams because you didn't get that two or three days or whatever amount of days uh, the one to six seed guy. You don't get that though, that luxury of or practicing, recovering from injuries, getting rest that other teams, some teams may be, you know, may have, may face their first win a game in the playoffs and not perform so well because they didn't, they had certain amount of games off, you know, out of days off and they just lost their rhythm a little bit, but they were always eventually find it. Um, so yeah, I like this new rules. I like what it's, what it's doing for the NBA. I like the Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are finally healthy. I like a Kevin Durant finally being healthy. I mean, it's one of the reasons why he's gone from Brooklyn. Let's be realistic. He's gone from Brooklyn because every year he missed 50, uh, uh, t- about 20 games or more. Him and Kyrie Irving always missed 20 games or more. And every year they could have won at least 10 more games if all of them were healthy and played the whole season. But lo and behold, I like the new rule. It's helping more pl- team, uh, more players pl- uh, play more games. Um, look at Luca. Luca is the last thing I'm gonna say about about this thing. Luca has never played over 70 games in his career, except for his rookie season. But the past four or five seasons, he's played about 66 games, 68 games. He's never approached 70 because of this new rule, and probably because he wants that contract that he knows he will get if he wins an MVP. He has a chance to finally, for the first time have over 70 games uh, play. Let's talk about wrestling. WWE is interesting. The Rock is back and he's invested. And he's invested. He's not just coming for sporadic appearances and that's it. He's coming to do something real. He's a part of the board and TKO. To show how much he is invested, ladies and gentlemen, and maybe because he knows that the, the promo that he did on Twitter wouldn't really look well, uh, great. In terms of what it would do for SmackDown. But he put out a 21 minute promo. That was so amazing. And so different. That he just made the whole Bloodline Cody Rhodes situation even more interesting. He added videos of the Cody Crybabies. He added videos of others complaining about him. And it just makes the heat. And him being a heel. Even better. Maybe it's just me. Now, The Rock did that 21-minute promo on Friday on Twitter, and it was amazing. And then he went on SmackDown later that day to deliver another promo, and it was even more amazing. How he criticized the crowd. How he, Mr. Nice Guy. Let's be realistic. If you don't look at what he's done the recent weeks in WWE, The Rock has done great things. And he's always Mr. Nice Guy. And, it's, and the idea that he's he's embracing the heat, he's embracing the heel character, is amazing. Now, here's the thing. If you really are paying attention, The Rock is leaving nuggets for you. And it's such a, a weird word to say. But if you're paying attention, he, if you're really paying attention, I feel, I'm really paying attention, I feel that The Rock is going to backstab Roman Reigns. 
and he's going to do something to help Roman Reigns not be champion. And we will experience Cody Rhodes as the champion uh, at this uh, year's WrestleMania. Maybe it's just me, but that's what I feel. Watch the promos. Look at The Rock's character. Look at what Roman Reigns did this past week to The Rock. Tell me if it didn't make you angry as a person. Go watch it. I'm not going to tell you what happened. Go watch Rock, Roman Reigns, SmackDown this past week, March 1st, and then tell me what you feel. Go watch what The Rock said for 21 minutes on Twitter. Then come back. Now, AEW. AEW has me angry because... It embarrassed Ric Flair. They brought Ric Flair back, but Ric Flair is over is 75 years old. He looks like an old man. And I know I get it. Sting is is finally retiring and they want to make it big because Ric Flair has played a big part of Sting's career. But Sting could still move a little bit, not like the way he did 20 or 30 years ago, but he doesn't look like a crippled old man that has has a lot of miles on his uh uh, Miles, you know, put in. And he came in this past week on Dynamite and the Young Bucks were there and he looked like an old man. It looked like the Young Bucks were the grandsons and Ric Flair was the grandfather and they were fighting, they were play fighting each other. It didn't look like a real fight. It looked like the Young Bucks were giving in to trying to make Ric Flair look good because Ric Flair didn't look good at all. And it was embarrassing. You don't need Ric Flair for this, this embarrassed the hell out of him, and I'm, I'm embarrassed for him that they made him think that this was going to be a good idea. He doesn't deserve it. It's disrespect to Ric Flair that he thinks he can go out there and still look great, and he when he does it. I'm sorry, it's embarrassing. I don't like it. I think it's disrespectful. It doesn't make me want to watch last match first thing at all because of what they did. Another controversial thing. Another controversial thing that they did, ladies and gentlemen, was that recently there was a tournament that was supposed to happen, but was canceled because certain superstars or certain wrestlers in AEW got, got injured. And Tony Khan said, once they're healthy, they will come back and they will have that tournament that was supposed to happen. Now, Morrow, a.k.a. Rusev, put out a tweet recently that said he's been injured since September and finally got medical attention in January. Um, sorry, but that makes t Tony Khan not look good. And the idea that Tony Khan didn't know is even more embarrassing. Now, by the, uh, the idea that Morrow put this out there in a tweet, ladies and gentlemen, shows that Morrow, or Miro, whatever you want to call his name, Rusev, it shows that he's frustrated. It shows that he's angry at AEW. And I get it. Since he's left WWE, He's got injured so many more times than he did during his time with WWE. And he's angry. He's angry because he wants to wrestle. He's angry because he knows your legacy is not based on you being on the sidelines, but based on what you do in the ring against your opponents. He wants to be healthy. And that plays a part of his frustration. And he knows, like everyone else knows, that if, you're, if you are hurt majority of the time, Prior to you, your contract running up, it hurts your pockets too because you didn't perform great. There's no reference to you doing great things the last three to five years because you're always hurt. So I get his anger. But Tony Khan messed up. 
Because if Tony Khan is not on top of his wrestlers being injured, he's messing up. The idea that if he was interested in September, why would you make a tournament with a guy who you know is injured? Please explain. Please explain why it took three or four months for him to get medical attention. It doesn't make any sense. Tony Khan is, is messing up. And it's sad because I, I liked the idea of AEW Ring, Honor, Ring of Honor because a lot of times WWE had so many wrestlers on its roster that you will forget that certain wrestlers were even on the roster. And they didn't get a chance to do this story. They didn't get a chance to develop, have great matches. They didn't have a great time. They didn't have time to be in a pay-per-view or whatever. But if this, this AEW, if TNA does what it does, and when Ring of Honor does what it does, it gives people more of a platform. And it gives those wrestlers more of a chance to do something great. And that's why I liked AEW. But if AEW is making these mistakes... I don't know if they're going to be around for another 10 years. I really don't. Maybe that's just me. Anyway, that is my episode. This is the Truth and Reality Podcast. Remember, you can go to and subscribe to my podcast, my podcast for free. Remember, when I say subscribe, this is not paying $30 for a subscription. You're not giving me any of your money. But you can subscribe to my podcast on any of the platf- any of the podcast apps that you like to listen to your podcasts on. And by doing this description, you will be made aware when an episode is available for your listening ears. Remember also to follow me on social media platform, on all social media platforms, any of them. I do little silly commercials to promote the new episode. Maybe you like them, maybe you don't. Maybe I promote, do other things to get your attraction. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, Have a good day and even better night.